Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of MA Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment. I am Mark Bryan, the Director of Innovation and Research for MA Architects, a certified futurist, master trend forecaster, and designer. And I'm Sam Moeller, the Director of Strategic Communications for MA Architects and a guru on all things behavioral psychology, change communications, and mental health. Which is why today's episode makes me so excited, and today's guest is a real hero of mine, the one and only Akira Ed, one of Columbus's most famous mental health advocates, and we'll get into all of her accolades here very soon. I actually just read a meme that jokingly said, leaving the house, good for depression, bad for anxiety. Staying at the house, good for anxiety, bad for depression. And I was actually humbled by how seen I felt in reading that. And I know I'm not alone. And today we're having really vulnerable conversations about mental health and mental wellness. And Akia is the guest of our dreams to do just that. Akia makes mental health awareness her mission. Because for Akia, it's personal. Akia used her own life experience and mental health disorder to help women find their voice and let it out. And most importantly, to let women and girls who are suffering, struggling, and stressed know that they are not alone. She's an author, speaker, business owner, mother, and incredible human, and today the lead of our meaningful conversation to continue shifting stigma to strength as it pertains to mental health. One of my favorite things to talk about. And today we're going to be talking about why connection and community are so important, why normal needs to be canceled how to support yourself and others in their mental wellness, and of course, why you need to seek substance versus surface in your relationships to stay mentally healthy. This episode will leave you feeling like everything's going to be okay, and if it's not right now, that's okay too. Just knowing that nothing lasts forever and no feeling lasts forever sometimes helps. We'll be sharing ideas for how you can support yourself in the interim and how some of the weird random ways you've been feeling, like brain fog, trouble making decisions, and trouble sleeping, isn't all that random, but actually all related. But before we get started, I'm so curious to ask Akia personal questions and finally welcome her onto the show. Akia, welcome. welcome on. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh. We are so excited. It's a gray day, but your smile is lighting up this room. <laughs> Literally grinning from ear to ear, <laughs> everybody. Know. Well, like what you guys don't know, and I haven't told you, is that this whole space of architecture and design is like something that in my next life I would love to do because I love to um, decorate and just, I don't know, stage and all of those types of things. So it's really cool to be on a podcast, you know, with somebody that is in that field. I'm excited. Well, believe it or not, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but they have a lot of correlation between the two of them, just being able to care for yourself as well as caring for the people when you're building a space for them too. Yeah. So it makes sense that it's going to be something you want to do in your next life or yeah. maybe even five years from now as we all pivot our careers as we yeah. go along in life, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe two years from now. <laughs> right. knows? Well, you know where to go. Uh, best architecture firm in Columbus. But anyway, so <laughs> I didn't pick it. They voted us. You guys, I can't help it. Okay, Akia, you ready? <laughs> I am absolutely ready. Let's do it. What are you most excited about these days? Ooh, I am most excited about going to Disney for Christmas. Mm. <laughs> Love it. I mean, I'm sorry there's nothing deeper than that. But, you know, I like to keep things a little bit present and current. So um, it's always a great time when I take my kids and my husband and I, we connect as a family um, as they're getting older. So very excited about doing that. So are you in a Disney aficionado? Like you've been multiple times? Because I know there are people who go yearly and there are some <laughs> people who just visit. Um, I visit yearly. Okay. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I'm not an aficionado at all. I think that they do a great job 
for kids and for adults. It truly is the happiest place on earth. Um, I, I love it. You know, I, I do. I'm a, a huge fan of um, Epcot. So because I love to travel. So going to those different places and, you know, kind of scratches that itch. So, um, yeah, I mean, my daughter's been watching videos on YouTube. I mean, she's prepping for her list. So cute. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting. It's going to be a good time. That's I awesome. love that. And just family time and connection. It seems to be the yeah. one thing everyone's really craving right now. Yes. Which is ironic because when we were in the midst of the pandemic and all locked in together, everyone's like, I need my space. And now that we all have been unleashed back into the wild, everyone's like, wait, I want to be back with yeah. my family in this yeah. tight-knit you know, community. Yeah. All right. What keeps you up at night? That is also a loaded question, Sam. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know. Hit it hard off the bat. Man, right off the bat. <laughs> Ooh, what keeps me up at night? Well, honestly, I would have to say the challenges um, in the community with mental health, equity, inequality, um, the the stigmas, the um, just disparities in the community, um, trying to really create connection and safe spaces for people. Um, and I think that that's the same thing that wakes me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I found um, something that, well, I'll put it like this, that something found me, you know, and um, so I think about it all the time, always trying to figure out a better way and and a way to make the world a better place um, and a safer place for those of us who have uh, mental health challenges. That's really meaningful. I love that you said it's what keeps you up at night and what wakes you up in the morning. True story. Really, really special. Yeah. All right. Last question. What is the coolest thing you have learned lately? It can be anything. Hmm. Coolest thing I have learned lately. Oof. I just screenshot a picture um, of these little, they're called brewmates on Amazon. And what it is, is a tumbler, but it's like a skinny tumbler. So it's a place for you to put your champagne on the go. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why I found it and it was so cool was because like sometimes, like if I'm going to an event or something and I know that they're not going to (laughs) have bubbles, you know, like it kind of like that puts me in a social mood. And so like, I was very excited that I could like, take it with me or at least like, you know, keep it cold because I learned that a flask doesn't keep carbonation. So I had to have one of those tumbler things that would keep it. I know that sounds really crazy. It sounds like they know their audience. Whoever is targeting your marketing. (laughs) I mean, I literally Googled like, how do you travel with champagne? Like, (laughs) how do you keep the carbonation? And sure enough, that came up. So I bought myself one. Brewmates figured it out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I really do believe it's the little things in life, you know, because one day you'll look back and those were the big things. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. And well, and I, I'm liking the fact that I'm keeping it kind of light right now. Yes. Because we're about to get really deep and they're going to be like, man, this girl is not as shallow as I thought she was. No, you're not shallow at all. <laughs> no. I agree with you too, though. I think sometimes the world can feel really heavy and some of the best things you can do is just focus on fun, light things that just bring you joy, yeah. you know, that aren't overcomplicated or over 
um, stimulating and just are simple. You know, that's awesome. So if it's brewmates, everyone's going to be Googling Amazon right now. (laughs) I know. Brewmates, if you're listening, we do take sponsorships. Yes, absolutely. And I got the the glittery one. Love it. Yes. It feels on brand. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right, Akia, can you share your story with our listeners? How did you get to be right here right now? Um, Well, six years ago, um, you know, I didn't have the greatest childhood, you know, but I was able to kind of, we have this thing in mental health where we call it high functioning. And um, I was very high functioning in my anxiety and depression and honestly didn't know what to call it at the time that I was growing up. But six years ago, because I had had so much experience with suppressing and pushing it down and all of that, life started to overwhelm me a bit. So all of the things that were easier started to become a lot harder. They started to become more difficult. Simple things um, that I would do daily for my children, you know, making breakfast, making dinner, started losing a lot of sleep. Um, And I didn't know at the time because I am dually diagnosed with both anxiety and depression. There are some people that really just battle with one. Very rarely do you see that, though. A lot of times people kind of struggle with both at any given time. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, six years ago, anxiety was really taking center stage. And so it dimmed the light on the depression to the point where I didn't even realize that I had, you know, that type of thing. And um, I got to a point where I stopped sleeping. And I think I was I think the longest I had been up was 48 hours. Mm. Um, And I, you know, went to try to to pray through it, you know, because my faith taught me that that was the only way out of it. I thought at some point I was being tormented. Honestly, I didn't know what was going on. And none of that seemed to help. Actually, um, the harder I thought that I prayed, I think that it just got worse because I started obsessing about why it wasn't going away and that there must be something wrong with me. So then I started getting into the shame spiral and not really knowing what I was actually dealing with was a breakdown. And um, I think that once the physical symptoms started, like the uncontrollable tremoring, shaking, um, heart palpitations, blood pressure, just all the things that you just don't feel very good when adrenaline takes over. And so it sent me to the doctor and the doctor assured me that I was not having a neurological issue. I was having anxiety. I was having a breakdown. I was, you know, having what we call like this cycle of panic attacks. And um, so that really started me writing my blog and, you know, diving into therapy, choosing to take medicine to try to heal and to recover. And people started reaching out to me and they wanted more of this authenticity, this realness that I would share on my blog about my journey through recovery. And so then I went into, I literally went to bed a blogger, woke up an author because I decided at that point that it needs to have um, a bigger audience. There needs to be more. And so that's when I started pinning my first book, Be Free, Be You. And ever since then, it's just kind of been like this whirlwind in a positive way 
where people are really relating to um, the struggle of, of recovery and understanding that when you have um, a diagnosis, it's an everyday thing. It's not something that you just wake up one day and you're like, oh, I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. I've recovered. And so that's why I'm here. I continue to advocate for those who don't have voices. I continue to um, speak up for people who feel so misunderstood, unseen, unheard, um, and just really try to be a more positive light and um, a stronger influence in the space. Your vulnerability is so humbling to me. And I mean, we're, what, 10 minutes in and I'm like ready to start getting emotional because you're so brave. Thank you. And the things you described, I can guarantee you that almost everybody listening has experienced in some capacity or another. I think a lot of people think of anxiety and depression and it's like you're all in or not at all, Mm -hmm. but it is a spectrum, right? And so you can, to your point, you know, you could be high functioning or you could be debilitating your anxiety and your depression where if anyone has experienced depression depression and depressive episodes you literally can't, you can't get out of bed no you know and people are like oh just go out and go do something I wish I could you know right. like I wish I had that in me that energy and you feel like you're just exhausted and you're just wiped and depleted and similarly with anxiety I mean you can get so tense and so tightly wound and so nervous feeling that you feel like you have to run out of the room or you know strip off your your coat and your scarf because you feel yeah. like you're overheating and it's all these things that I think to your point you know your your sleep deprivation and tremors and heart palpitations that people might be like oh it's my heart or I'm having a heart attack you know mm-hmm. having a panic attack can you walk us through what that feels like for people so they maybe if they've had these experiences before you know um I I have dealt with panic attacks in the past yeah. and I literally the first time I'll never forget thought I was going crazy I thought yeah. I was going to have to drive myself to the hospital I thought mm-hmm. I was going out of my mind you feel like you need to run but you don't know where to mm-hmm. and it's just terrifying and you feel so isolated but even just now me listening to you I'm like oh my gosh I feel connected to you because of your courage. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, um, panic attacks are one of the hardest uh, things I think that I've had to, to overcome. Um, I haven't had one in quite some time, but I tell you, like, for me, and I and I want to say this, like, I think that they look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think there are some textbook things that are very similar, sweaty palms, overheating, heart racing, thoughts racing, the um, overwhelming feeling that you're going to die and that you're in danger. Mm -hmm. So those are pretty, you know, common textbook things. For me specifically, when I have a panic attack, I start to overheat, like my whole body, like from my toes to my head, that's the heat rises. And I start to cry. So because there, for me, like there's, I feel trapped. Like I don't feel safe even in my body at that point. So I'm just like, I'm trapped and I'm like just bawling my eyes out. And, um, and then I just, you know, I start to, to shake and, um, really just be inconsolable and hyperventilate. Um, and, it's, it's scary. It's really scary. It's especially scary when you're sleeping and then at 3am you wake up and that's what happens to you, mm-hmm. you know, cause I mean, you could possibly be in one of the deepest sleeps, um, of the cycle and you wake up. I know that that's what would happen to me regularly. Um, 
was I would wake up at three, four in the morning with, with all of these things that I just said to you guys. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's like for me. Um, and I think it's important for me to mention that it's not hopeless when you have a panic attack. I mean, yes, you know, there are medications that the doctor can give you. I, I do have those, but sometimes I've been in a situation where I don't have access to them. So, um, I've had to just kind of just breathe through it, you know, and just like the worst thing you can do when you're in a panic attack or about to have one is to fight it. Because if you fight it, it's going to come even stronger and it's going to last a lot longer. So in all honesty, the best thing to do is just surrender to it, you know, and just, yeah, you're shaking your head, Sam. So I'll let you hop in. But that's what I've learned is just to surrender to it and just to fall into it because it'll be over a lot quicker. And to realize that nothing is permanent, like this is very temporary and like, you know, it, it takes some time and some work to get to that point. But if you do the work, you will be able to get there. Man, I'm so uh, I'm just <laughs> so humbled by you. Surrender is when you said that I was like, that is the word. Yeah. It's such a beautiful word to even think about just that idea of surrendering. And if you really take that in, you almost feel yourself start to ease up a little bit. You know, if yeah. you think about that idea of surrendering and I know a panic attack can last no longer than 20 minutes. And so that's also something I think that's really helpful to keep in mind that even yep. at that most heightened state of hyperarousal, your body will exhaust itself after 20 minutes. I am curious, Mark, for you to chime in with all of your research and innovation because the panic attacks themselves are very primitive in nature mm -hmm. and they actually are from our human instincts, from that paleoethic you know, error that it's that fight or flight because they thought they had just seen a lion. So mm -hmm. could you speak mm -hmm. to that kind of how, what our bodies are doing and how it really harkens back to primitive days? Yeah. I mean, it, so basically it, it's like you said, fight or flight, your central nervous system starts to go into overdrive because it thinks it needs to protect you. And so what your body is doing is it's releasing um, endorphins and other uh, and adrenaline cortisol into your body, which is literally gearing your muscles up to run because it, and it's only supposed to last for 30 seconds. That's that's the normal state of stress. When you're in that state, it's only supposed to last for normal uh, 30 seconds. But when you are constantly battered with other stressors, that's when it starts to become prolonged. And that actually is unhealthy for your body. But, you know, there are things you can do to calm yourself down. But I'm a little bit curious about, um, and this may be triggering, but like triggers. You know, what are some yeah. of the warning signs that... I, I know I like to be prepared. Um, I was a Boy Scout for maybe a year or two. Um, <laughs> Never left you. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But for some of our listeners, you know, who might be thinking, I've gone through this, but I don't know how I got to that state. What are some of the things that people might be looking for that might trigger them if they're thinking they might be getting ready to have a panic attack? Well, I mean, that's a that's a bit of a tough question because a lot of times I'm sure you figured out with your research that they will just strike mm -hmm. like sometimes. Um, but I think if you, for example, I have someone close to me who a couple of years ago was in a very bad car accident and um, essentially could have lost their lives. So when they're on the highway, they tense up. And so knowing ahead of time that, you know, those past triggers, those things that you pass trauma. Um, so she, she's at the point now where she, um, still doesn't take the freeway. 
Um, but she's working towards it, you know, so it's something that like you have to maybe potentially avoid those triggers. So you identify the trigger and then you avoid those for a period of time until you can work up enough courage to like little by little, you know, just expose yourself to the thing that causes you um, anxiety. So it sounds a lot like, you know, dealing with PTSD. Yeah. Where basically you, like you said, you identify what the trigger is or what the the trauma, what the stressor was and just be aware of it, be cognizant of it and then sit with it. So how can people start to think about how they can heal from the stress or from the trauma that they've gone through? I mean, I'm a really big proponent of just um, one, one thing for sure is that you have to be open to um, leading with your life with curiosity and asking yourself these questions that you're asking me right now. Like, is this happen like is this happening to me? Have I experienced this? Like, and being really honest with yourself and not trying to 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 deny and reason your way out of it. Cause I think sometimes when there's a stigma in society, we have a tendency to like be on the road to want to recover, but because of what's in the back of our head of what that might mean, um, we can talk ourselves out of it. Uh, we're we're very smart that way. Like our brains are very, very, very smart. So I have gone to therapy, which I am, oh my God, like just such a huge proponent of therapy. I feel like, and I believe that anyone needs to, you know, anyone can go to therapy. You don't have to have a trauma, a trigger, an, a mental health issue to, to go to therapy. I think that it's just healthy to talk to someone, um, and to get outside of your own head. Um, and also it's, it's really good as a practice in vulnerability and to start you off on the journey of being curious with yourself to self-discovery. So therapy was really huge for me, you know, um, as far as healing, because if you have the right therapist, they're going to, they're not going to give you the answer per se. They're going to ask you questions. That's going to force you to think through it mm-hmm. um, and to and to be honest, you know, and then I think that once you get to that point, then you're on the way to to, to healing. Well, and I think right now, I'm just curious, um, I'm having a lot of conversations with people these days, and most everybody to a person says, I'm having trouble remembering right now. I'm mm-hmm. having trouble remember before the pandemic, I was I could tell you my schedule you know, to the Mm -hmm. day a month ago. Right now, I can't remember what I did two minutes ago, two days ago. Is that all PTSD? Is that all trauma and anxiety coming to light right now? I mean, it can be, you know. um, I think that a lot of people are in this brain fog from from COVID. And unfortunately, um, we're probably going to be dealing with a lot of the after effects of of COVID for some years to come. I don't even think that we have seen (laughs) all that um, COVID is responsible for. However, that being said, um, you know, brain fog could be, um, or memory issues could be a symptom of a lot of things, right? Um, Just, you know, you once were, you know, really used to this highly active, involved schedule And, you know, now you're just like, well, wait a minute, things are moving too fast. So I think that in order to combat that, maybe you take a step back and say, okay, 
maybe I can't remember or jump right back into what I was doing pre-COVID, but maybe I need to, you know, one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. two things at a time. You know, I think that it's a bit shocking and overwhelming to the nervous system, honestly, to be able to just launch yourself right back into the world that you were in pre-COVID. So. Well, and I think that's why we talk about canceling normal, because yeah. I hate the idea. When everybody says we're in the new normal, I, I cringe internally because yeah. why does it have to be normal? Like, let's not call things normal. Let's just call that this is reality. Right. There's a, an expression. It's uh, comparison is the thief of all joy. 100 percent. And if you compare yourself today to yesterday, you're never going to be happy. Right. My opinion is I'd much rather be where am I just be thankful and be grateful for where I am today versus yeah. where I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when it comes to PTSD, that feels like a really big, heavy term, right? And especially I think some people get scared to talk about depression and anxiety, but then PTSD feels like, oh my gosh, that's exclusively reserved for soldiers that returned from war, you know, is obviously the most common thing that that we recognize. But it literally broken down is post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Mm -hmm. We all did collectively just experience a trauma we certainly we were in the same storm definitely in different boats depending on your circumstances you know but we did all experience a trauma and have associated stress Mm -hmm. and that's so that we it's okay you know and again back to that spectrum idea doesn't mean that we're 100 percent the same as someone who necessarily has been in a war but you could still be on that scale of one to ten somewhere around a three or a four and having some of that aftershock effect which is actually what they call it. And I think that's really interesting. Um, But it it really does range in that scale and severity. And I thought it was really interesting. Over 90% of people experience a major traumatic event at some point Mm -hmm. in their lives, which means that almost all of us will have an experience with Mm -hmm. PTSD, whether or not we recognize it, you know, and I love that you were describing what it felt like in your body when you were having those panic attacks and, you know, whatever that might be. But for PTSD, it can arise within days or weeks or months or even Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. First responders typically die within five years of retiring mm-hmm. because their bodies so police officers too. Yeah, yeah. are in this fight or flight mode for their entire career where it's like, we have to go put out this fire literally, you know? And then once that stops, their body starts just cave inward because all that adrenaline, all that cortisol, all those endorphins start to really take toll and havoc mm-hmm. because yeah. you're not stopping for clarity along the way. You're right. just constantly responding. Right. So I love this idea of identifying your triggers and seeing what that is for you and then being able to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pause on that. I'm going to avoid that situation because that really triggers me. You know, last yeah. time I went and watched this show, even a TV show, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what it is, I felt really weird afterwards. I felt really dark after. I felt really heavy after. And recognizing where those emotions are shifting in you and whatever shifted, you know, you could gone into work and you're having a great day and all of a sudden you had one conversation and you feel pissed off or you feel really upset or you feel really stressed out what just happened in that conversation what was the topic Mm -hmm. you know what was the conversation that that was a trigger for you so that it's as simple as that you know obviously 90 percent of us have are going to deal with trauma in their lives i've had traumatic events and i know certain things that i had to avoid for a long time you know because seeing certain things hearing certain noises really brought me back to that trauma Mm -hmm. and i think that if people start to recognize those triggers to your point and start to build up a tolerance um you know i was told by my therapist when you can tell your story without getting emotional that's when you know you've healed right and right. I think it's really beautiful to know that there is, you're never going to be without it. It's going to become a part of your story. Exactly. But you're never going to, it's not going to constantly be that same level of heightened emotion in response every single time, right? You start to build resilience yeah. to your experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that. I actually, the, the grit and the resilience that comes from 
you know, having these things happen, you know, it's, yes, it's, it's terrible, right? It's, it's terrible. I would not wish what, you know, I experienced in my lifetime on any other child, but I'm here today and I'm here today to be able to tell this child and that child and this woman and that man that like, even though you experience these things, you can make it out. You can be a warrior. You can, you know, come out of, you know, being a victim and, and actually work through it. So, you know, I, I, um, I love what you just said. I mean, that's, yeah, it's really cool. I was just going to say, I love what you just said. I am vibing (laughs) with you. My vibrational frequency is high because what you just said, my mom used to, who was my number one role model, right? Used to always say to me, you can choose to be a victim or a victor. Yep. And I think that these experiences can really shape who you become. I just recently became a mom myself. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And a lot of people which I don't recommend ever telling a pregnant person, said to me, I can't believe you'd want to bring a kid into this world. And it was so sad for me to hear that. And I thought actually, especially now that she's here, this is the most beautiful responsibility I've ever had because I can raise my child to be someone that is so inclusive and so loving and so kind and leads with bravery and courage and talks about emotions. And, you know, that's my responsibility. And that's how I can make the world better is by the way that I raise her. So it's incredible that you have two kids and, you know, you went through all of this and authored two books and you're amazing. Thank you. You talk to us about those books and what they mean to you. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, back to, back to the kid thing, you know, I, I went through all of this, you know, really in the public eye, you know, I opened up my life to, to everyone and my children were, let's see. So right now, I mean, my son is, is, uh, he's 14. So six ish years ago. So, I mean, he was like eight, nine at the time. And my daughter, I mean, gosh, she'll be 11. So I mean, she was kindergarten. So I had a kindergartner and a fourth grader. And so they were very young. And, you know, even in their ages being so young, I was very open, as open as I could be with them. Um, I don't believe in hiding things from, from children. I believe in telling them the truth as much as they can handle and as age appropriate as possible. Um, so, and I was determined that they would grow up to be, as you said, Sam, inclusive and understanding and empathetic and compassionate human beings. So they now have a working understanding of mental health. They have a working understanding of, you know, what it means, um, to have these symptoms. And so crazy as it is, it's like went through it, you know, and then the next year, my son was struggling. And so because I had gone through it, I was actually able to identify much earlier and be much more proactive as opposed to reactive with the kids. And, you know, now my daughter is, you know, pre-middle school, so she's a tween and and it gets crazy. It's super wild, like having having a girl um, dealing with these things that young women deal with now, especially. Um, but I'm knowledgeable to be able to do it. And what's been really cool about Be Free Be You is that it's been able, it's a, it's a self-help memoir. So, you know, I, I talk a lot about my life as um, 
a black woman um, with anxiety, with depression, with an eating disorder, um, living in a preacher's house, you know, very much, um, you know, just religion and faith have always been a part of my life. Um, what I love about it the most, honestly, is that it was very helpful to a lot of people that were in religious situations or not just the same. And it had a broad spectrum of people that it impacted and it, it won an award. So I was like super surprised by that. Cause I mean, that's my first book and just very, very happy. I was scared to death when it came out because there was a lot of very real conversation in it. Um, but it didn't stop me. You know, again, like I always say fear is a, fear is a yellow light. It's not a red light, you know? And so it just means to proceed with caution. Doesn't mean to stop. So wrote that book and then, um, started working on authentic you because I said, I need to relay these same conversations and messages with middle school age girls. So that's what authentic you is about. And, um, my daughter, read it actually. And I was nervous about that because in that book, I talk a lot about, you know, just feelings as a, as a, as a young girl and, um, relationships and love and what all of that means. So that was extremely important. And I released that like right during COVID. So we didn't, you know, do a whole lot with that one, but now I have a third one coming out in May. Um, and it's, um, it's called, um, the precipice of mental health, how mm. to become your own safe space. And I talk a lot about uh, my journey through depression during COVID and it's coming out mental health awareness month. So May 3rd, I'm crossing my fingers. We're, we're moving along with it. Um, I'm very excited about it. And um, by far, this is my favorite one. Oh, I, if I could have been more obsessed with you, you had to throw that out there. <laughs> and now. <laughs> I already bought all of your books on Amazon. And just in case anyone's listening, they are very limited yeah. copies left. Yeah, they, they are. They're selling out. Yeah, I know. It's it's wild to, to see that, you know. Um, but I think that people are needing, you know, somewhere positive to turn. You know, I'm not really big on – I don't like to talk down at people, you know, or I'm on this mountaintop and – looking down at them saying, come up to where I am. You can do it. I, I actually, because I am, I look at myself as a recovering individual. So notice that I have an ING on the end and not a recovered like mm -hmm. ED as in past tense. So there are still days and weeks and months that might be a little rough for me. And, um, and so I have conversations with people. I, I meet them where they are. And I think that that's what's been really cool about becoming an author is to be able to have some really cool, meaningful conversations with all different types of people all over the world. You know, Instagram has helped me connect with so many different folks, like from in different countries. I have a huge following in Canada, which I was just cool. like, whoa, like United Kingdom and these women, you know, actually... I'm not trying to brag, but this was the coolest thing, coolest moment that happened to me. Random got this email from this woman in um, Mozambique, and she um, said, I need your help. 
these women are so traumatized. They don't have access to internet like I do. So they haven't been exposed to your message. What can you do? And so I ended up um, getting an agent and working through a contract, being able to get my books translated into all of these different languages um, that are over in Africa, French, like all the languages that they speak and probably in other countries too. But it was just really cool because I never thought when I was writing this and when I was telling my story and suffering through all of this, that it would go that far. And so it's humbling, like really, like it's, it's, I can't believe it that we're here, (laughs) that it's happening, but just, I get to be able to talk to all of these people. That's, that makes telling my story and making whoever mad (laughs) that was in my story, you know, because that, that was a thing, you know, I had to expose some truth. Mm Um, or at least my truth, I'll put it like that. And it was all worth it is what I'm saying. And so I just want to say to any of the listeners, like, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are experiencing or facing right now, it's all worth it. It's all worth it to just keep fighting to live another day and take one step at a time. Man, you are incredible. I mean, sharing your story really became the roadmap for a lot of people's survival. Oh, that's a heavy one. But. It did. It really did. And again, I think it harkens back to what you said earlier, Mark, about substance and not surface. Your vulnerability. How often do we have exchanges with people where it's like, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Great. How are you? Right. You know, It's authentic. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's, honest. it's fluff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am. That is <laughs> so funny. People ask me, they're like, what do you, what makes you so different? from all of the other like mental health people that you see on Instagram or like just on social media period, period. And I'm like, well, what you see is what you get. So I I am not going to talk to you above where I'm living. That's just a fact. Like you're not going to hear me talk about something and then find out (laughs) that like what I was saying, I did not believe or I wasn't practicing what I preach. And, um, and that's the secret sauce. I think just really being vulnerable and transparent and I don't care that people recognize and see my successes as much as I care about them seeing my scars and revealing the, the places that I've been hurt, but I've been able to heal it's and that inspiring. I'm healing. Yeah, it gives them something to aspire to. And if they've seen that somebody else can survive that gives them hope that they can 100%. Do. And that's so brave of you. Thank you. Thank it's you. It's so brave. I think I loved when you said I'm recovering and that you're still going to have days and weeks and maybe even months, right? We can't control what happens, but yeah. we can control how we respond. Yes. And I think what I'm hearing and I'm hoping everyone else is, is that if we can find our triggers, if we can find our coping mechanisms that are our successes, whenever that next thing happens, because it's inevitable, we're better prepared to get through it and to have that healing process really happen in yes. a healthy way, yes. which I think is unbelievable. And we're getting ready to hit Thanksgiving. And yeah. I want to talk about gratitude yeah. um, and its cure for anxiety. So one yeah. of the coolest things that I learned lately, and I'm sure you already know, but maybe our listeners don't, is that your brain processes anxiety and gratitude in the same area mm-hmm. and can't do both at once. And so anytime if you're feeling some intrusive thoughts or anxious thoughts are creeping in, if you challenge yourself to think of one thing you're grateful for, you'll notice that that nervous feeling or those racing thoughts start to dissipate. 
And so I'm curious, Mark, if you could share maybe some of that science behind it. Yeah, I mean, actually, so gratitude increases the neural modulation in the brain. It actually um, activates in the prefrontal cortex, which actually regulates negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And what happens is um, it activates dopamine. Um, which is the neurotransmitter responsible for making you feel good. So basically, the result is instant happiness, um, which is prompting you to engage, uh, you know, in a better manner. It makes you more aware. So for this reason, gratitude is actually scientifically proven to reduce anxiety and depression. And in a survey, because um, you know I love a good statistic, <laughs> is that um, uh, in a survey on gratitude in adult professionals, British psychologists found that 65 out of 100 people selected happiness over health although they indicated that both were equally important for good life. The study suggested that roots of many psychopathological conditions like depression, anxiety, and stress are actually unhappiness. And what's interesting to me is we talk about, um, so senior living is one of the sectors that we serve here at MA. And in senior living, there's all of this talk about um, actually practice around reminiscent therapy. And it's really meant for treating uh, dementia, but they're actually studying it right now as how it can help reduce anxiety and depression too. Because what you're doing is you're thinking back to a time of where you felt value or a time where you felt happiness. And so it's similar to the idea of having gratitude. But I'm just curious, as we're, again, Sam said, we're coming into Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. How can we practice gratitude in our daily lives to help ourselves? Well, you know... <laughs> I like what she said, you know, writing down things. I'm a, I'm a writer, obviously. So, you know, here we go with I love it. the whole writing thing. But um, so kind of like going to what you said, one of the ways that I have been able to combat anxiety, not only with being grateful and thinking about one thing, I will write down because we, all of us know that have anxious episodes our mind is just going, 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 going with all these intrusive thoughts, right? So what I'll start to do is I'll start to just write down every single one of them that I'm having. And what I find is that there's probably only five. But my mind, other people's minds, anxiety tells you that there's like 25. Mm -hmm. Because one thought leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. It's like a web of spaghetti noodles. And so writing down all of those and then realizing like, whoa, it's not even as many as I thought. And then as Sam said, as many thoughts as you had, try to think of as many things as that you're grateful for. And so basically in math, what you do to one side, you do to the <laughs> other side. And I'm only saying this because I've been working with my daughter on multiplying fractions. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right. And so it has helped me tremendously. But to put it into practice, like real time, like this year, one of the things that really helped me was I went through my cupboard and I cleaned out all of the food that I think I was kind of hogging because of COVID, you know, <laughs> like, we just, like we were going to have an apocalypse. And so I just mm -hmm. went and bought all kinds of like shelf stable things. And so they're still stable. And I looked and I said, wow, you know, there's so many people right now that are struggling. You can't check out in a grocery store without asking if you want to donate mm -hmm. to the food bank. And so I literally just, um, cleaned out everything, put them in bags and donated them to, you know, some people who needed food. Um, another thing is I cleaned out my closet 
and put all the clothes that I'm no longer wearing. I had my kids do the same thing. And we gave them to a guy who's hosting a dinner for the homeless. Oh. And so I think finding little ways and opportunities to give back to your community, that is actually what will help you mm. through this season. I read this quote and it said, when you're waiting for your life to change, do what a waiter would do and serve. Yeah. Wow. That's good. And I thought that was so interesting because it is an act of gratitude and you actually get more neurologically back yes. when you give to somebody else. Yes. One of our core values here is always give more than you get. Yeah. And I, it's a great way to practice gratitude is by even sending small tokens or a thank you note, you know, and just saying to somebody how much that would mean to them to receive, but you get just as much to give it. And practicing positive self-talk. You know, yeah. I love how you were saying, I want people to see my scars, not just my successes. How beautiful of an idea is that? Yeah. You know, gratitude journals, obviously I love the five-minute journal. I think it's yeah. so brilliant. Um, expressing verbally thankfulness to your family, your friends, your partner, whoever it may be, or mm -hmm. your coworkers, you know. Benny, you do a great job. And... <laughs> 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 he really does. He I love down. it. I love but, it. You know, and I obviously also love, I'm such a visual person as a creative and visual reminders of, of things that you love or cherished moments to your point, yeah. Mark, with the reminiscent therapy, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, that's brilliant. Is on brand. Crystals, I think are a cool thing, for example, right? Yeah. Whether or not you think they have any power, I don't know. But if you have a crystal that's meant for love or for um, self-acceptance or meant for grounding, when you mm -hmm. see that visually, it triggers that idea in your mind. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be. Yeah working on self-acceptance or, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be welcoming in this idea of grounding or whatever it may be. So whatever those items are for you, your favorite concert, a, you know, a baseball from your favorite game you ever yeah. went to or something where you felt really strong and really grounded and really connected. Um, I just think it's awesome. Well, it makes me think of, so um, biophilia, bringing nature into the built environment. Mm. Um, one of the things that biophilia talks about is your sense of touch and mm -hmm. the hap so those haptic senses, right? Um, one of the things that you can do to help calm the central nervous system down is just touch a stone. Just literally hold a stone oh, because yeah. a stone's ambient temperature is different than your body's and it just literally helps calm you down. So crystals actually have some physiological benefits to it. I carry two stones with me, not for that purpose, but they're me memory stones for me. They're not worry stones. They're memory stones for me because they have positive memories for me of thinking about my nieces and my nephews. And when wow. I need a moment just to like remind myself of if I'm in a stressful day and I'm in that mode where I've got, I feel like I've got 20 different things and I probably really have five different things. I can just touch my pocket and just know that that's what I can mm. remember. Wow. I love that. And I also it's never great. knew that about you. I always find out things about him that I didn't know. Like he was in a Britney Spears music video and on TRL. And I was like, wait, just in high school, but still I was, what? you know, he's full of surprises this one, but <laughs> back to the topic. I do think that's wow. interesting that you carry those stones with you because way back when, when people had wallets and like photos inside of their wallet yes. and they wanted to show yes. someone, Oh, look what my, my kid or check out, you know, my family photo. They had to like physically go into their pocket, pull out their wallet and open it. So there was more tactile um, integration, I guess, than just like swiping on your phone. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think a little bit more intentional. So how maybe mm -hmm. people could intentionally find those items and those moments that bring them connection so that they can carry them with them no matter where they are. Yeah, I know. It's um, so it's funny you brought that up about a stone. My mom actually um, she gets really nervous, you know, around like just certain things like when she's getting like blood work done or, you know, so she has a stone. And she just, she rubs the stone and that actually, she says it, you know, it calms her down. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, <laughs> I, I like, um, 
I like green, like greenery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my house has a lot of plants. It has like, they're not real because I'm horrible with anything <laughs> that can't tell me that it's hungry or thirsty. I will not feed it or give it anything to drink. But they're, they're faux plants, but it's just that pop of green and that light. You know, even if it is a cloudy day, it's just the daylight. For me, it just, it does something to me um, and for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I've i got my things, too. I love Well, I it. mean, you know, I'm going to say right now, don't you? Dappled lighting. Yeah, he loves dappled lighting. Oh. Which does go Write harken back to the- for when you become an interior designer. Uh, dappled lighting. Go ahead, dappled Mark. Dappled lighting. Well, so, like, obviously, we're sitting in this beautiful room, and we've yeah. got light coming through the trees right now. So that is dappled lighting, where you've got the shadows and the movement. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to our primitive brain, where we're sitting on the plains, where we, as humans, were sitting underneath trees. And that dappled mm-hmm. lighting signified safety. And so it's wired into our brains that when you have dappled lighting, it's supposed to help calm the central nervous system down as well. Wow. Yep. So you are doing all the things and you just never knew it. I didn't know that it was. Yeah. I just said, hey, this works for me. Yeah. But I didn't understand the science behind. That happens a lot with this one. Right here. <laughs> like, you know, I really once I get the science behind it, I'm like, whoa. So you and I got to talk. Yes, we do. Because I, I am like, hmm. It's got, interesting, right? right? Collaboration. Got some, got, got collaboration. I got know. some ideas going on. Mark yeah. is really into right now currently designing um, spaces for neurodiversity mm-hmm. too. So just how all of it plays together, which I think is so cool. You guys, we've talked about triggers and identifying your triggers, coping with your triggers. We've yeah. talked about now gratitude and how that can help ease anxiety because the brain process is both in the same place. Let's wrap up with this idea of support systems because mm-hmm. we've all kind of been dabbling in that and like mentioning here bits and pieces here and there. But I would love to talk about this idea that how the right people feel different to your nervous system. I think what would be awesome to start this conversation in this group and then maybe for our listeners to be thinking simultaneously is I would like everyone to think about a person or people that you feel calm around, that you don't feel like you have to impress them or you have to be on, that you just feel at ease and really balanced. Conversation flows really naturally. It just feels like very easy to be with that person um, or people. Um, So whatever those feelings are, that means that your central nervous system is also at ease, is also balanced, is also natural. It's not just in your head. The right people induce the right neurotransmitters, those chemical messengers in your body, which feel calm and induce more feelings of calm. Your central nervous system actually communicates to you through energies and emotion. So that means that when you're nervous or if you're calm, whatever those different people are, are inducing different things and triggering your nervous system in a different way, your parasympathetic or your sympathetic nervous system. So if you feel tightly wound around someone or you feel really relaxed around somebody, those are two different responses that your nervous system is trying to communicate with you. So I want you guys now, hopefully you have in your mind these people, but I would love to talk about support systems and maybe even yours in particular, Kia, and what that means to you. Um. I don't know if this actually counts, but I will tell you, I, my therapist in particular um, is, is, I don't know, she just has a way about her that is just, she can get me to think about things and learn things. Um, and I don't, I don't know, I never feel like, you know, I'm a science project to her. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, my mother um, is, is one. Um, and I don't, she knows me. So it's, it's really cool to, you know, 
be able to just be myself. <laughs> she gets, you know, me and all of my quirks. Um, definitely my husband. Um, I don't feel like I have to impress him. I feel like he's just very, you know, cool and chill, which is neat. Um, and this last one is going to probably shock everyone, but it is myself. Love that. <laughs> myself. Um, I didn't used to be able to say that. And that's why I'm saying it on the pod right now, because um, before COVID, I would have never chosen myself as a safe person. And it took my therapist to actually say, you know, it's okay for you to choose yourself. And I realized that the reason why I didn't choose myself is because I didn't feel safe in my body. I didn't feel safe or secure alone. And after COVID, um, I learned how to feel secure, how to feel safe, how to be okay with just me. And so, yeah, I, I am, I am holding myself down. That's, that's what I love uh, just about this whole experience. That is the most positive thing that has come out of COVID for me is that I've learned to be my own safe space. Can you share, and I'm sure your book touches on it way more, just some of those things that you learned. How did you get to that place? Well, I mean, you know, like all of us, none of us were able to dip our toe right in the isolation it was we were thrown into the deep end very quickly so um you know it took me really just i wasn't speaking right and um all of my speaking um engagements got canceled and so for me you know i needed the at that time that affirmation that came from speaking I didn't feel like I was good enough unless I was doing something for someone. I didn't feel good enough in myself without performing. And so um, when the performance or when the, the talks were canceled, I was stuck looking in the mirror at this person that I don't think I really liked, even though I had written two books, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, you know, I don't think that I really realized how much affirmation I was receiving from going out and performing for other people until it was all taken away. So it took all of that being canceled and it took me looking in the mirror and saying, whoa, wait a minute. Why do I not like what I see and not physically see? But why do I not like how I feel? Why do I feel so like like the world has been just removed from under my feet. Why do I feel so unsafe? And it sent me into a depression unlike any other. I've never experienced the level of depression that I experienced during that, during that time. And it took me spending time by myself, crying it out every single day and just saying, okay, I've got myself because I started being reminded of those memories that reminiscent, like I didn't even know I was doing that kind of therapy for myself, but I really was started to think about like, when are the times that I felt the most safe? When are the, the times that I felt the best about myself? 
And those memories actually helped to, to heal me. And um, so that's how I learned it. It's so powerful. I think with the reminiscent therapy too, you've gotten through every bad day you've ever had. Yeah. You've gotten through every challenge yeah. so far that life has ever thrown at you to this day. Yeah. And I think sometimes some of the things have been much bigger and some of the things have been maybe smaller. But regardless, you've made it through every single yeah. hard day. Yes, uh, every day. And and that's, you know, experience sometimes, like we say, experience is your best teacher, right? So I've experienced this before. So like now I know that when that comes again, like I know I'm, in all honesty, like the sun is going to start shining less. The darkness is coming a lot earlier. For a lot of people, including myself, I don't like it when daylight savings time ends. Mm. So um, I know to be on alert, you know, for those things that is triggering for me. Mm-hmm. Paying attention. Paying, yes, paying attention. So then I've got to do that reminiscing and I have to think about what are the things that I did last year that helped me get through that part of the winter. And um, it takes some work, but you can do it coping mechanisms, yes. right? What are the things that make you feel alive or grounded or make you feel really good? I think yeah. it's really interesting to think about and it's different for everybody. You know, um, therapy, you said obviously is one of yours as is mine, but I think it's interesting. Dopamine, for example, is that feel good neurotransmitter and yeah. to stimulate that, you listen to upbeat music. It could be oh. something like that, right? Yeah. Eat a sweet treat, which I mean, everyone is looking for that yeah. excuse, but <laughs> get a good night's sleep. Of course, even completing a small task literally releases checking the box in your brain. Yeah. Yep, checking mm-hmm. a box. So that's one thing. Serotonin is a mood stabilizer. You know, it improves sleep and reduces anxiety, increases happiness to stimulate that. Get sunshine, which isn't always possible. Yeah. Go but you can a get walk. a lamp, right? Yeah. A vitamin D light. Or do some cardio. You yeah. Know, whatever yeah. that looks like. We yeah. can do that in our houses. Gaming, actually, believe it or not, the Oxford is studying right now how gaming can actually help with mental health. The right type of game, sure, right? Sure. You know, not maybe the big shoot 'em ups, but there is something about <laughs> Disney's Animal Crossing. Again, cool. sponsorship available now. But <laughs> that actually is good because it forms a positive social connection. Yeah. So yeah. there are some games, because I know some people may be looking for other things that may be a little bit more technology based, but it's the ones that are like the, the calming ones, not the ones that are very active. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know that for a fact because, like, <laughs> Property Brothers has gotten so much of my money. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous how many gyms I'd buy, like, because I just want to design the house and like, and doing all of these things. And um, what's another game that I, that I was playing? Um, well, Candy Crush, you know, like I just, for whatever reason, I liked the bright colors and I, there was something that made me happy about seeing a whole row disappear. Right. It's the reward. Yeah. It's the well, completion. Well, you completed the small task. You're really <laughs> exactly. releasing dopamine into your brain. <laughs> exactly. And similarly with even watching Property Brothers or whatever it might be, if you watch a comedy, right, mm-hmm. that literally yeah. releases endorphins oh, into yes. your brain, which reduces stress, increases pleasure. You know, oxytocin, a lot of people said that having a baby is like healing for the soul. Yeah. I did not realize that they were hundred percent correct and so it's feeling connected to people is how you release oxytocin yeah. into your body yeah it's funny weighted blankets actually release oh. oxytocin oh yes because mm-hmm. it's that feeling yes. of touch yes even though it's coming from a blanket but a weighted blankets right petting your dog or your cat yeah. giving someone a hug cooking for a loved one holding hands holding a baby whatever yeah. it may yeah. be right there's a lot of options so there are all of these ways are coping mechanisms there are these energy yeah. givers that even if the sun is down turn on some crazy upbeat music go you know ride your peloton or run inside or you know do a youtube video with it's a 20 minute hit exercise yep. whatever it is find what your coping mechanisms are and have those almost like a toolbox so that when you feel yes. those ways i also love this idea that energy 
if you ever feel really sad and depressed or if you feel really anxious and nervous, you need to move because mm-hmm. it actually physically shifts the energy within your body. Yeah. The worst thing you could do is just sit down. Yes. And just let that feeling consume you. If you actually physically move your body in some way, it will shift the energy throughout your body, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. I spent a lot of time rewatching the whole, like every season of Friends. Mm-hmm. We are so, meant yeah, to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> that is like my go-to when I'm sad, when I'm feeling, I don't know, whatever, I'll watch it and I still laugh. Like my, one of my favorite episodes ever is when Ross is saying, pivot. Yeah. Like that when he's everybody. taking a classic. So yeah. classic. It's, it's amazing. So I, I do a lot of that and, and I love um, what you said about just doing a bit of research, right? And just making a list of like, okay, that looks like something I could do. Okay, that looks like something mm-hmm. I could do. And um, this is actually like a way for people to care for themselves and put their own oxygen mask on, right? So that they can be useful for their families, their friends, but you've got to be available for yourself first. Absolutely. So yeah. I feel like I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, follow up everything you say with a little bit of research and fact. Yeah. So actually there's been a study that shows that watching reruns actually boosts happiness. And the wow. reason being is because you have more control. You know what the ending looks like. And so there's no longer wow. a surprise. There's no longer a cliffhanger that you're holding on to. Like you're not keeping that anxiety within you. You're watching something that's familiar to your brain. So there is a study that proves that that is actually good for the body you and good connected. for mental health. You know what's up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you it's, guys, her eyes are wide open. <laughs> like, I'm just like, wow. Like, there's a reason. There's a rhyme or reason for mm-hmm. what I do. <laughs> exactly. That's great. So I think that we've had some really powerful conversations and even recognizing what some of these things look like when they manifest in your body. You know, again, just to go over some of those physical signs that you might think are random and phantom but are really related. It's that low energy. It's headaches consistently. It's Having lack of sleep, like Akia said very early on, it's upset stomach in any way. It's chest pains and rapid heartbeat. It's a clenched jaw. Do you feel really tightly wound? You know, do you have constant worrying? Are you racing thoughts? Are you forgetting a lot of things like Mark said earlier? You know, do you not even remember what happened yesterday or maybe you're having trouble focusing if you have a change in your appetite, if you're procrastinating a lot, avoiding responsibilities, if the littlest things feel like the biggest things, if your Uber Eats driver delivered your meal to the wrong place, did you lose it? Maybe that's time to pull out some of those coping mechanisms. And we're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. Because yes, this we is me all like two days there. ago. Yes. I almost cried, but it had nothing to do with the Uber Eats driver and everything to do with me. And I knew that night I need to say to my husband, hey, you got the baby. I have to go to yoga. My, yeah. you know, this is yeah. an early warning sign that if I'm getting that worked up over yeah. the Uber Eats getting delivered to the wrong place, I'm off balance. Yeah. And so finding, you know, those triggers really early and saying, oh, wow, when I was like having a lot of trouble focusing, you know, you think about, I think about moms and dads, whoever worked through the pandemic with children and a full-time job simultaneously. God bless you. Someone needs to make a statue of you next to Dolly Parton because you (laughs) all deserve statues. I mean, unbelievable what the stress and trauma we just put ourselves through and we're too ashamed or too um, humble to say that's PTSD feelings that we're having now. It's okay. It's It's all okay. It's okay if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling depressed, if you're having PTSD, but hopefully from this conversation, you now know better what triggers are. You now know better what coping mechanisms are. You now know better the power of gratitude, especially as it relates to anxiety. And you now know the power of the support system, including, I love that, yourself. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and so let's leave our listeners with just a little bit of future positivity. So yeah. I always look for what's happening, you know, in the next three to five years. So Akia, could you just tell us in the world of mental health, where do you see ourselves going in the next five to 10 years? And what makes you think that? Um, us as a community mm-hmm. of people, I, I actually think that um, there are going to be a lot of industries, if you will, that are going to really start to put a lot of dollars and focus into it and creating more solid workspaces for their employees. Um, I was just researching last night about burnout and, you know, all of that and what that looks like. And so um, we are definitely in that place because there's a lot of, you know, people that are needing to hire and just all of that where we are, the great resign, right? So there's a lot of stuff going on. So I think it's also going to come even more to the forefront than it has been already. I mean, look, listen to what you just said, all of the statistics. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it two years ago, three years ago, you wouldn't have found all of that. Mm-hmm. It would not have existed. And I think that, you know, now we are trying to find other ways to help combat this situation because we can't have the whole world on meds, right? We just, mm-hmm. we can't do that. Not that there's anything wrong with it. But we can't do that for everybody. Everybody doesn't require that. And it isn't one size fits all. So I do think that mental health treatment will evolve to a specific person in an individualized approach. Um, And I, you know, I do think that that is also a positive benefit of COVID. We have realized that it is a real thing and that more people are struggling than we actually even realized. So there is an awakening and an awareness, and then there is action that is going to come. I love that. Awareness, awakening, and action. That's uh, going to be our new mantra right I love there. it. And I was thinking the words that you're choosing are just out of this world to me. Awakening, love, surrender, love. Yeah. I also love this idea that mental health is a priority for people, yeah. personalized. Yeah. I'm going to p- chime in. Mark didn't ask me, but I uh, I agree because I want everything you said to happen and I want it to be accessible yeah. and affordable for everybody. Yes. Because right now mental health help is a privilege and yes. it has a dollar amount that is skyrocketing because it's becoming a great demand and a great need, Yes, which is great that people are seeking it out. But at $175, $200 a session, in some instances, that's unattainable for most people. Yeah. I would love to see it become accessible and affordable in a way that then even helps break that stigma down and isn't a privilege, you know, yes. but a priority. So I think that is also in my mind, something that for the future is yeah. affordable and accessible for all. Yeah. Well, I hope that we can all make this happen together because I think it's a beautiful future in my opinion. Yeah. So Thank you, Akia, for being on the show with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here and sharing your insights. These are the innovations and uh, ideas that we hope our listeners can find some inspiration from in their own lives to be thinking ahead and how they can create change for themselves. We hope to hear more about these new ideas and innovations in the days and weeks and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at ma-architects.com. And if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to email me directly at markb at ma-architects.com. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can be the first to hear what's coming in terms of innovations and trends and mental wellness in the next three to five years. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan. And I am Sam Moeller. I hope you can find the change you want to be to allow innovation to thrive in the way you live. And I do just want to say one last thing, (laughs) two last things. I can't get off this mic. But I do want to say people don't realize how much strength it takes to pull yourself out of a dark place. And so anyone that's listening today or any day, I'm really proud of you. And you've done incredible things. The best is yet to come. And if it's not okay right now, it's not over yet. That's right. 
Akia, you are my role model in every way. Thank you so much for taking the time to make this a priority and having such a powerful conversation. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Your work is changing lives. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.